everybody needs a fresh start, okay? And the fresh start shows up in lots of ways. Have you ever been inside a restaurant and then when you leave, you smell like the restaurant for the next five hours, okay? I hate that feeling. You literally smell like everybody else's food. And when that happens, I can't stop smelling myself. I just have to confirm and kind of reconfirm that I still smell like that restaurant. And I do this all day, okay? Hoping that mir miraculously, I just won't stink anymore, okay? But when I get home, the clothes go in the washer, I go into the shower, and then I put on just like, just one tiny spray of cologne, okay? I just spray it up in the air and I, I walk into it, okay? And after that shower, I'm a brand new man, okay? Has a shower ever made you feel extra fresh? Have you ever sat in the driver's seat of your car after a good car wash, okay? Feels brand new. Did I just get a new car? Like on the outside, your 2003 Honda Civic looks the same, but inside, it feels like a Rolls Royce. And apparently the steering wheel has moved to the other side, okay? Have you ever moved from one place to another? At your old place, there was just years of living. You had a drawer in the kitchen just full of random stuff, okay? Ink pens that don't work, a pencil sharpener but no pencils, you've got lots of erasers as well, uh, staples but no stapler, post-it notes, a magnet that says Viva Las Vegas, and that remote control from 1995 that you refuse to throw away. But when you move into a new place, someplace new, drawers are empty, there's the sense of this, it, this time it's gonna be different. Have you ever hit the breaking point? Have you ever had to bear the consequences of bad decisions? Have you ever been lost in a fog for years, but then life opened up to a clear valley? Have you ever made the decision that from this day forward, there's no going backwards, only forward? Everybody needs a fresh start. For the next few weeks, we'll look at some fresh starts in scripture with the hope that 2023 can be a fresh start for you and a fresh start for me. Turn with me to the first chapter in the Bible. It's Genesis chapter one, okay? Should be easy to find. And there we find a beautiful creation poem that has inspired people for thousands of years. And it is a stark contrast to other creation stories that permeated the ancient world, okay? It is a poem that is good. In fact, it is good is a theme throughout the poem. Genesis chapter one, verse 10, and God saw that it was good. Verse 11, and God saw that it was good. In verse 18, God saw that it was good. Verse 25, God saw that it was good. Verse 31, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. This is a poem and there is repetition. Repetition shows us what's important, okay? You already know this, right? If you glance at your phone and you see a missed call from your spouse or a family member, no big deal, okay? I'll give them a call back when I get a second. But if you glance at your phone and then you don't see one missed call from your spouse or family member, but rather you see 11 missed calls in the last seven minutes, you call them back immediately. Why? Because repetition shows us what's important. Genesis 1, the repetition is God creates and he calls it good. The creation of the universe, the creation of the world, the creation of life itself, the creation of you, the creation of me, the creation of them 
it is good. And this is important because it's so repeated. It's also important because in this life, we will be tempted to believe that the world is not good, that people are all bad. And Genesis 1 teaches us that original blessing precedes original sin. There is goodness in this world. It is a good world. There are good people. There's goodness in everyone. We are to look for and find the goodness in God's creatures and in God's creation. But there is another repeated phrase in the creation poem of Genesis 1. And this phrase is repeated even more often than it is good. Each of the six days of creation ends with the same phrase. There was evening and there was morning the first day. There was evening and there was morning the second day and so on. Now, is there anything odd about that phrase, okay? There was evening and there was morning. Yeah, yeah, that's not how the day works, okay? It doesn't start in the evening. It starts with what? The morning, okay? The alarm goes off, we hit snooze, it goes off again, we wake up, we change our clothes, or we take a shower, we have breakfast, which they say is the most important meal of the day. Why? Because it's the first meal of the day. And then we go to work, and then we come back when? In the evening. So no book of Genesis, there is morning and then there is evening. That's how the day is supposed to work. We go to work and after we finish our work, we rest. But that's not what God says. God says there is evening and then there is morning. God is introducing an alternative rhythm for our lives, a rhythm that doesn't start with work, but starts with rest. And some of you are like, that's neat. Evening, morning, morning, evening, potato, potato, who cares, okay? By the way, who calls a potato a potato, okay? No one ever says on Thanksgiving, I love to eat sweet potatoes. No one ever says Mr. Potato Head, okay? Or hot potato, hot potato. No one does that, okay? That phrase makes no sense. There is evening, morning, morning, evening, tomato, tomato, who cares? Well, the ancient Israelites do. You see, Genesis chapter one was written down by Moses. Moses was called to go back to Egypt to free the Israelites. Free them from what? Free them from slavery. Free them from working from sunup to sundown. You see, if you were an ancient Hebrew, the only thing that mattered was how many bricks did you make today? How much did you make for Pharaoh? They literally built the empire that was oppressing them. That what, that's what it was like to be an ancient Israelite in this time when the book of Genesis was written down. And when they would read Genesis chapter one and see that there was evening and then there was morning, they would see that God is different. God is different than the other gods. God is different than the Egyptian God. God's desire is not the life of a slave to work. Your value is not in what you do, how many bricks you make. Your value, in fact, isn't based on what you make at all. Because before you did anything, God looked at us and said, it's good. It's very good. It doesn't start with work. It starts with rest. Aren't you glad that we don't have to make bricks for Pharaoh anymore? Aren't you glad that we don't have to try and get our value from other people? Aren't you glad that we don't focus on our lives 
on what we do. Are you catching the sarcasm? Because why, when we first meet someone, why is the first question we ask them, what do you do? Where do you work? How many bricks do you make? To rest is to trust. The first story that we have of Jesus as an adult is at his baptism, okay? Jesus was baptized. And by the way, we're gonna be having a baptism service in February, and so if you are interested in baptism, if you are interested in proclaiming Christ for life, um, publicly, your public confession that uh, you wanna follow Jesus, uh, you can email us at prodigalchurchfresno at gmail.com, and we'll let you know about the schedule coming up this next month as we celebrate new life we have in Jesus through baptism. Okay, so Jesus' baptism, the story is found in Matthew chapter 3. Verse 13, it says this, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Notice, this is well before Jesus does any kind of ministry, any kind of sermons, any healings of any kind. God is pleased with him. God delights in him. The Father's love for him preceded and superseded anything that Jesus could do to win approval. The same is true for us. God's to-done list is more important than our to-do list. God created you. God saved you. He is with you. He comforts you. He dwells within you. God's to-done list is bigger and better than your to-do list. And Genesis 1 declares the goodness of God and the goodness of creation. Before we're able to do anything, to make any bricks, to do anything perhaps even for God. And it gives us this new subversive rhythm that begins not with work, but with rest. Because what did God do on the seventh day of creation? Well, he rested. Genesis 2, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Now, what do I mean by rest? I, I mean trust. But do I mean sleep? Well, no, but also maybe, okay? Rest is whatever focuses us on the goodness of God. So it can be sleep, it can be a walk, it can be dinner with your spouse, it can be a prayer, it can be a song, it can also be an exhale. <sighs> Whatever it is, it is a moving towards and a stillness next to Jesus. Rest is a moving towards or a stillness next to, to Jesus. Matthew 11, verse 28. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
Some of you listening to this, you might be listening from your house in Ohio, in Texas, here in California, in Germany. I don't know where you are, but some of you, you're burdened, you're weary, you're tired. Jesus' word for you right now as you're walking, as you're running, as you're sitting, as you're praying, as you're listening, as you're watching, Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Rest is moving towards Jesus or a stillness next to Jesus. He is the source. He's gonna give you the rest. He's the creator. We are the creation. He gave us the rhythm of rest. So we go to him to experience it. This is a glass of water, okay? It isn't particularly heavy, but something strange happens to this glass of water in relation to time. Because as time goes on, the weight of the glass doesn't change, yet the longer I hold it, the heavier it becomes. Now, I tested this in my office this week, okay? I held out the glass of water just like this, for just over five minutes, okay? Now I know some of you are going to try this yourself to see if you too can hold this glass of water outstretched for five minutes, okay? Feel free, you can pause this. It'll be waiting for you when you get back. Your arm's gonna be sore though, okay? Because after the first minute, I thought, this is nothing, okay? At two minutes, I needed something to kind of distract me. So I use my other hand and I start scrolling through my phone. At three minutes, I stood to my feet and I began to look at myself in the mirror while I held the glass, okay? Kind of giving myself a motivational talk. John, you've got this. Why does looking into a mirror help? I don't know, but it helped me. When I hit four minutes, the water began to shake, okay? It took me back to the first time I saw Jurassic Park, okay? The original, that T-Rex, right? And the water drops start moving. And now I'm thinking about dinosaurs. At four minutes and 30 seconds, that's when the grunting began, okay? Mm. Okay, Sarah thought I was working out, uh, apparently in there. It sounds like I'm doing a decline press. I'm supposed to be working on my sermon. She walks in on me, and I'm just working so hard, just like this, like I'm offering the mirror a glass of water, and it's very hard. And when I set the glass down, I could barely, barely move my arm. My hand and my fingers, like they felt trapped. I tried to type up my notes of how my, what my experience was like and I struggled. My fingers felt trapped. The stresses, the worries of life, your anxieties, your, your trials, your tribulations, your worries. They're a lot like this glass of water. Dwell on them a short while, nothing much happens. Dwell on them a bit longer, becomes debilitating. They begin to cause pain. You need distractions. And if you think about them, if you dwell on them day after day, you will become paralyzed by them. God is with you and he certainly could help you hold all of your stresses and your worries, and you could hold them much easier. But you know what's best? It is to pour out our stresses and our worries and our anxieties on God.
Pour it out. Pour it out. Don't carry them through the evening or into the night. Put the glass down. To rest is to lay everything at his feet. That's the rhythm. Stop working so hard. Stop killing yourself making bricks. Work out of your trust in God. My family and I just recently went on vacation. And when your kids are little and you go on a vacation, it's not really vacation, okay? It's so much work. Your routine is thrown off, you're not at home, and so you have to think of every possible thing that could go wrong and what you need to fix that potential issue, and then you bring all those supplies with you. And it's cold season, so you literally have to, all of CVS packed in your vehicle. And so my family and I, we get in the car, we pack it up, and we are trying to time it right with traffic, okay? Well, if, you, if we leave it this time, that puts us ahead of rush hour, but traffic's always bad, so maybe we can go get gas at this spot, take a break, and then go. We're playing Frogger with our vehicle, trying to get there on time. So we plan stops at specific times to avoid traffic. And vacation, it's expensive, okay? You have to save up before going. Uh, and then no matter how much you save, it's still going to cost you more than you think, okay? We went to a theme park recently, I'd like to buy four churros, please. That'll be $800, okay? Here's the keys of my truck. Have a nice day. <laughs> and because our kids are older, okay, we didn't have to pack like a playpen in the car or anything like that, um, but there was a possibility of rain. So we had to pack rain gear. We gotta pack waters because in the park, they cost $67. And so now I've got this backpack on me. I'm looking like I'm ready to hike Mount Whitney and I'm just going to a theme park. Here's the one photo that we got of all four of us on our most recent vacation, okay? Notice the backpack, okay? The weight of the backpack is stretching my shirt to my skin. You may ask, why didn't you take the backpack off? It's because the backpack had become part of me. I and the backpack are now one. It was never coming off, okay? I still have it on right now. Vacation is a lot of work. And so many times we'd go on vacation and then we'd come home exhausted. We would need a vacation from our vacation. Here's a photo of my daughter on the drive down. Just living her best life. Does she look like she's worried about the fact that we packed everything that we need? Is she concerned that we have everything? Is she concerned about rush hour traffic? Here's a photo of my son before we entered the park. Does he look worried about how much a churro costs? Look at me in this photo. I'm looking down at my phone or something, okay? That's the look of someone who's trying real hard. The faces of my kids are not the faces of people who are trying real hard. They're the faces of people who are trusting real big. They're trusting that everything they need for them is packed for them. They're trusting that the price of the trip has been paid for them. And they're trusting that they're headed in the right direction. We're all headed somewhere in 2023. Which face will be ours? Will it be the face of someone who is trying real hard or the face of someone who's trusting real big? When Jesus says, 
Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. He's giving us an invitation to a new rhythm of life that doesn't start with work. It starts with rest. And it is not just an invitation for a fresh start, but it's an invitation for every day to start fresh. God, I pray that 2023 is the year we follow you most closely, that our lives begin to reflect your love for us and your love for the world. We need you in this, Jesus. We can't do it without you. We love you in Jesus' name, amen. I hope and pray that 2023 is the best year of your life. We're praying the same for us here at Prodigal Church. And we are so thankful for your generosity. We did an end of year giving push and you gave over $11,000 for three things. To, for a future facility. Uh, that is something that we are dreaming and working towards. You gave for us to be able to hire more staff and invest more in our current staff. And you also gave to help us meet more needs here in our city and beyond with acts of love and justice. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your generosity to Prodigal. You make a big difference here and all over the world. We hope you have an amazing week. We pray for peace in Ukraine. God bless you, Prodigal Church.